I have a question for you. How has your first week of 2023 gone for you? Eh, good, great, bad, I don't know. I will tell you, my week, um, on one hand, has been kind of hectic and, and chaotic, all those normal things that happen around here uh, week in and week out, and particularly magnified by some stuff, first of the year, insurance and all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, I've been working this week to uh, intentionally live into this first week of, of prayer and, and fasting with other members of our church staff that you're invited to join us um, on the last week of this series. And, and that has brought about for me a renewed sense of, of purpose, of, of focus, and, and of intimate communion with the Lord. And that's been amazing Everything else kind of fades away when, when that is going on in your life. And so I'm really excited to see what God is going to do, how God is going to show up in our church as we all go deeper into what it means for Anderson Hills to be a praying church. And that's exactly what this brand new sermon series, our first of the year, is all about, a praying church. We're starting the new year with a focus on prayer because prayer is so critical to the health and the growth of our church. And so over the course of the next couple of weeks, we'll see how, how prayer is our battle cry, how prayer gives, gives power to everything else that we do, and how important it is for us to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ into our community, into our city, and into our world. Because you see, a praying church is a powerful church. And a powerful church is a productive church. And a productive church is a growing church. Prayer is to the church like what oxygen is to our body. We die without it. We shrivel without it. A praying church is a pr church that both collectively, together, and individually believes in the power of prayer. It's a church that has a daily devotion, a daily commitment, if you will, to prayer. And a praying church is a church that falls to their knees as the first act of discernment and praise and, and gratitude. And a praying church is a church that always intercedes for the salvation of souls of the people who live right around us, who do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so as a church, we want to increase our faithfulness in seeking the Lord through prayer. And prayer is an act of obedience, isn't it? God calls us to pray. And so prayer should be what we do both before and after every single other thing that we do. Jesus tells us that without him, we can't do anything. So we need him, don't we? We need to seek him in prayer. And it's through Jesus seeking him and, and abiding with him, staying close to him, that the fruitful work of the kingdom of God is achieved. We seek and abide in Jesus through unceasing prayer. Now, today's message is particularly focused on how we need to use prayer for protection. 
I mean, we see prayer as our battle cry against any evil that would try and come against us. And there is no denying that we are engaged in a spiritual battle every day as Christians. We often feel the attacks on us every single day by our enemy, our adversary. But the good news is that God has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. In fact, he fights our battles for us so that we know we're never fighting alone. I love the Psalms, the book of Psalms. I love them for one reason. They are filled with so many prayers that are perfect for anything that we could possibly face in life. They are the place where we can go to find, to find model prayers, pray, prayers that we can pray to God in both good times and in difficult times. One such prayer, one such psalm, actually, was written and, and, and prayed by King David about 3,000 years ago, Psalm 140. David prayed this psalm for protection against people who were threatening him, perhaps even against people who were speaking words of slander against him. Psalm 140, beginning in verse 1. Rescue me, Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. They make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. The arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and have set traps for me along my path. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Hear, Lord, my cry for mercy. Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. Do not grant the wicked their desires, Lord. Do not let their plans succeed. We see in this psalm that, that David recognizes and he proclaims who God is to him and what God does for him and for us as well. In this psalm, David recognizes God as his, as his strong deliverer, as his shield of protection. And it is in psalms like these that we learn that God is our refuge and our fortress, that God is our shield and our stronghold. David wrote and declared another psalm to the Lord, which is actually recorded for us not in the book of Psalms, but in 2 Samuel chapter 22. In this prayer that he wrote down, he praised God after God had led King David and his army to victory in a battle. He had led them to victory several times against Israel's arch enemy at the time, the Philistines. Hear these words of how King David praised the Lord for his protection and his victory. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. 
He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. From violent people, you save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. The waves of death swirled about me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the seas were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of breath from his nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Isn't that powerful? I've always loved the imagery of these psalms and how they illustrate God's protection and defense and refuge for us. There have been so many times when I've prayed in the morning knowing what laid before me. God, I need you to be my fortress today, my shield today, my strong tower today. Protect me, surround me. These psalms even illustrate how it is God who fights for us. It is God who rescues us from danger and trouble, even death, as David says. I remember one time early in my career at a bank in Dayton, years before God called me into the ministry. I was a manager in a very large credit collections department. And part of my time in that position, I kept track of the metrics for that whole department. And as I was writing this message this week, I began to think of that old adage, that saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Because one of the things that I do as the executive pastor here at Anderson Hills is I keep track of the metrics for our church, our worship numbers, our group numbers, uh, giving, and all of that kind of thing. But I have to say you have some good news that I don't still uh, work the credit collections. We don't have that here at Anderson Hills, so I won't be calling you. <laughs> so... Praise God for that, right? Well, anyway, at the time, I reported to a senior manager who reported to the vice president over our department, who reported to a senior vice president of the bank who was over our department. 
And this senior vice president, oh, he had a reputation. He had a reputation as a tough manager, a tough man. There were times when he was known to rant and rave, to yell at people. I have even seen him belittle employees who were under him. So one day I got a call from him that he wanted to see me right away up in his office. He didn't like the way that I was reporting the number of full-time equivalent employees for the department. He and I had had several discussions about this, but numbers don't lie, right? And there was no way for me to report the, accurately the number of FTEs and keep our figures in balance. But he just didn't see that yet. And so upon receiving this call from him, my stomach fell into my feet. I swear, I was so nervous about going up to see him. And it was a long way from my desk in my department up to his office. I had to take the elevator down from my fifth floor office down to the lobby of the Kettering Tower in Dayton because there was a different bank of elevators that went up to the bigwig floors, you know, where, where his office was, up on the 25th floor. And as I was going, the opening verses to Psalm 27 started running through my brain. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I kept repeating that over and over as I walked to that other bank of elevators, pushed the button and went up. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And in that moment, I felt that I really was a little less afraid. And in looking back, God absolutely must have given me the words to say to that senior VP that day. Because after explaining my reasoning for the third time to him, he finally understood. The light bulb clicked on, and he said, I get it now. And I escaped that day unscathed. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Psalms like these remind us that it is to God to whom we run for protection and power to fight against our foes. And my friends, God never fails us. In spiritual warfare, prayer is the weapon that, that anchors us to the place of victory because as the Apostle James says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to share together with you today one of the stories from 2 Kings in the Old Testament about the prophet Elisha, we read it as part of our Bible reading plan this week. It isn't the most famous story about the prophet Elisha, but as I reread it this week, I was struck by it. Maybe you were too. Now, Elisha was the successor, man, I preached at Salem, and I, I screwed that word up there, too. That's easy for me to say, too, right? Elisha was the successor to one of Israel's greatest prophets who was named Elijah. Don't get him confused. Elisha, Elijah. Now, God actually told Elijah to go and find Elisha to be the one to succeed him. Now, Elisha wasn't a prophet already. He was a farmer. <laughs> and here he is, minding his own business, plowing his field, working hard with a team of oxen, when Elijah shows up out of the blue, 
takes off his cloak and drapes it around the shoulders of Elisha. Kind of a symbolic gesture to show that Elisha would be the one to follow in Elijah's footsteps. Now at this time in history, one of Israel's greatest enemies was the kingdom of Aram. They tormented, they attacked every opportunity. They fought the kingdom of Israel so many times. And one of these times, one such account, is recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 6. And it starts off by telling us that once again, the king of Aram has decided to attack Israel. I mean, Aram was always so hostile to their neighboring kingdom. And all the while that this was happening, Elisha is trying to lead some great reforms to call the people back to God in the kingdom of Israel. And so God is using Elijah, Elisha to help protect the people from the Arameans. Now the king of Aram would decide to attack Israel in a certain place at a certain time. And through a divine miracle... God would tell Elisha where that place and time of the attack was going to take place. And Elisha would go and warn the king of Israel so that the king and his army could be on guard. They'd avoid that place. They would, they would know what was going to happen. And as the king of Aram began to put two and two together, he was ticked. He was so furious. He thought that his inner circle, his inner court, had been infiltrated by a spy who was listening into his plans and then running and going telling the king of Israel. He had no idea that it was Elisha, the man of God, who was being given these divine words of knowledge. You know, sometimes the way that God protects us is miraculous, isn't it? Now, one of the king of Aram's officers figured out that it was Elisha, the man of God, who was doing this, and that he was being given information in a divinely miraculous way about the king of Aram's plans. And then he would tell the king of Israel. And so the king of Aram ordered that they figure out exactly where Elisha was so that the king of Aram could send out an army of men to capture him and put a stop to him and bring him in. And they found out that he was in the city of Dothan. And so the king of Aram sent a force of men and chariots and horses. And they did so under the cover of darkness at nighttime. And they surrounded the city of Dothan. So let's turn to the scriptures and learn what happened Next. When the servant of the man of God got up, that's the man of God is Elisha, and he went outside early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? It's Elisha and a servant. Everyone else is fast asleep still in the town, and there's an army surrounding them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, 
And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha went out and he told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Isn't that crazy? Elisha himself goes out, the one they're looking for. They're blind. They don't know. And he says, who are you looking for? Well, he's not here. Let me take you to where he is. And they, they follow him. So after they entered Samaria, which, by the way, is the capital city of Israel, much bigger, a much bigger city, more people there, Elisha said, he prayed again, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw this, he asked Elijah, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? He's like excited. Should I kill them? Do not kill them, Elisha answered. Would you kill those who, have captured, who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. He didn't kill them physically, but in a way he killed them, didn't he? He killed them with kindness, and they were changed. You see, when Elisha's servant awoke, and he found that the city had been surrounded by the king of Aram's army. He was stricken with fear, wasn't he? It's a natural emotion, isn't it? How many of us wouldn't have looked out of the window and seen a great army gathered around and been frightened? Now, maybe we've never had our town surrounded by an invading army. But every single one of us has faced fear before. Like when the phone rings and we receive the shocking news that someone we love is dead. Or when we're sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor comes in and says, I'm afraid I have bad news I have to share with you today. Or when we're called into the office of our boss and there's a pink slip waiting for us and half of the department's being laid off. And in those moments like that, our world is turned upside down. Our world is rocked. The rug is pulled out from under us, and suddenly we're afraid. But what we don't often see in those times is how God is protecting us even then, even beyond our perception. God is protecting us. Now, I know we might be tempted to think, yeah, <laughs> Elisha was a miraculous prophet of God. He did more miracles than any other prophet in the Old Testament. Of course God is going to show up and show off for someone like that. But, but what about today? What about in times that aren't biblical times? I was reading recently a story that Billy Graham had recorded about the Miraculous Protection of Angels. It's a bunch of stories that he included in a book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. And one such story 
tells about the encounter of the Scottish missionary John G. Patton and his family that they had while they were serving among savage, cannibalistic natives in the New Hebrides Islands in the late 1800s. One night, John and his wife heard noise outside the hut they lived in, and they looked outside, and there were natives who were intent on burning down their hut with them in it. They were absolutely trying to drive them out, to have them take their Christian message and leave their village. And Patton said that he and his wife were filled with terror, filled with fear that night, and they fell to their knees desperately praying for God's supernatural protection and deliverance. They prayed all night long. And when daylight finally came, Patton says they looked out the window of their hut, and mysteriously the hostile natives were nowhere to be seen. They had disappeared into the woods. And about a year later, the chief of that tribe was converted to faith in Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. And so John Patton had an opportunity to talk with him And remembering what had happened that evening, he asked the chief why they did not attack them that night. And the chief was so surprised that he even asked. He said, it was because of all the men that were surrounding your hut. And John was kind of confused. He said, there were no men surrounding our hut. And the chief said, oh, yes, there were. We saw hundreds of men in bright, shining garments standing in front of your hut with their swords drawn, ready to protect you. We didn't dare attack you that night. My friends, God's angels are warriors. They're not little cherubs that, you know, flick a little arrow at you. They are mighty warriors that fight real battles in the spiritual realm that protect you and protect me. I remember when I was a student pastor serving at St. Paul United Methodist Church in Eaton, Ohio. The lead pastor at that time had an adult daughter who some years earlier had been in a a terrible, terrible, terrible automobile accident. She was in a car with two of her friends one night when they were hit head-on on a state highway. The car was total. It was mangled beyond recognition. And the emergency crews came. They actually had to use the jaws of life to cut them out of that car. And after they had rescued the three young adult women and they had sent them to the hospital by life squad, they began to ask bystanders if anyone knew what had happened to the fourth person that they had seen in the back seat with the girls there when they first arrived. Had this person gotten out of the car? Had they wandered off to someone else that they knew? Had they stumbled off in delirium into the woods or in a ditch? They didn't know. I heard that story recounted numerous times in my two years at that church. And and that family and I are absolutely convinced that God sent an angel that night, the fourth person in the back seat of that car, to protect those young girls and to comfort them while they waited for help to arrive. My friend, prayer is a powerful weapon at the disposal of every person who loves and follows Christ, who knows Christ as Lord and Savior. And the enemy would like nothing more than for us to not utilize that power 
in our lives. Why? Because prayer opens up the floodgates to the throne room of God, and all we have to do is speak our prayers in faith, and God hears us. And when we stand together, recognizing Jesus as Lord, we are told that the gates of hell will never prevail against us. And my friends, that is power. That is protection from Almighty God. God's Word gives us spiritual armor to protect us as we fight the spiritual battles in the heavenly realm. It's, it's protection that we can put on every single morning when we get up. Ephesians 6, beginning of verse, verse 10, puts it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word is truth. It is a weapon that we can fight with. And he concludes by saying, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all, for all the Lord's people. It has been truly amazing and perhaps even a miracle to see people of faith this past week fall on their knees and pray in a football stadium. To gather outside UC Hospital, praying. To see a sportscaster on live television, praying spontaneously, asking Jesus' healing power to protect Damar Hamlin. And even to read about the coach of the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott, speaking openly about his faith in Jesus Christ and his belief in the power of prayer. Oh, we believe so strongly in the power of prayer at Anderson Hills that we are devoting our first message series of this new year and of this new season as Anderson Hills Church, as a church of prayer. Of course, we're going to dream dreams together. And of course, we're going to make plans together. We'll vision together. Of course, we're going to work hard together. But you know what? None of that matters if the Lord isn't in it 
if we haven't fallen on our knees and sought his face first. We are a praying church. And in this church, prayer is our first response. It's not our last resort. And so let's put on the armor of God and let's pray beginning now and always. Would you pray with me now? God, we glorify your name. We praise you for who you are. And we thank you, God, that we can fall on our knees, that we can cry out to you, that we can lift our voices to you in every situation, in every place, even praying through Holy Scripture, God, that you would protect us. Lord, I pray protection upon us as individuals that we would stand firm wearing all the armor that you've equipped us with to stand against the wiles of the evil one, our adversary, who prowls around, all around us. I pray for protection of our families. I pray for protection of our congregation, God. Send your angels, the mighty warrior angels, to protect us. God, help us to fall humbly on our feet before you, knowing that you go before us and behind us, to our right and to our left, above us and below us, fighting our battles for us. And all we need to do is watch your glory unfold. God, keep us faithful to follow you wherever we lead. And we know, God, that we pray this protection because we are to be a force, a mighty force to the world to bring all men, all women, all boys, and our girls into a saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. So God, equip us, protect us, enable us to do just that, God. Send us out into the world as mighty warriors, ready to share the gospel of good news with everyone we meet. God, make us a force to be reckoned with, and make your kingdom come on earth starting right here in this place with us, your faithful people. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.